Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Encanto. What do you think my gift will be? You are a wonder, Mirabel Madrigal. Whatever gift awaits will be just as special as you. This is a computer-animated musical fantasy comedy. Directed by Jared Bush and Byron Howard. The cast includes Rosa Diaz, Maria Cecilia Botero, Aurelio, Mauro Castillo, Jessica Darrow, (laughs) (laughs) Angie Cepada, Carolina Gaitan, Maritza Ramos, Fez. <laughs> Aaron, Cam Barris, Adasa, and Maluma. I uh, watched this on Disney Plus. How did you watch this? I also watched this on Disney Plus. How about Incredible. that? Wow. The same place. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. Let us uh, begin this episode with a synopsis that you wrote yourself so we can remember all the things that happened in Encanto. The Madrigals are a magical family that live in a magic house in a beautiful valley in Colombia. Each member of the family that didn't marry into it has a totally unique special power. The powers vary person to person, but each is elaborate and exciting. The only exceptions are the matriarch, Abuela Alma, and our protagonist, Mirabel. You see, when you turn five in the Madrigal household, a special ceremony is held inside their magical casita, which is Spanish for little house. The ceremony ends with the young person opening a shining, glowing door and receiving their magical gift. For 50 years, this tradition has continued, and only once has someone not received a special power. That exception is Mirabelle. Mirabelle puts on a brave face and normally never lets anyone see how being left out bothers her. But after her youngest cousin receives the gift to talk with animals, she exits the celebration to think. Alone, she discovers something shocking. There are cracks appearing in the walls of their house, and the ever-burning candle that represents the family's magic is in danger of going out. But when Mirabel brings this to the attention of her abuela and the rest of the family, the cracks have mysteriously disappeared, leaving Mirabel confused and afraid. She overhears abuela privately worrying about the magic, which convinces her she needs to get to the bottom of this mystery. She begins by interviewing her older sister, Luisa. Luisa's power is that she is super strong. She is constantly going around the town, fixing things and carrying donkeys. <laughs> when Mirabel pressures her, Luisa admits that she feels overwhelmed by the responsibility of her gift and is worried about who she might be without it. She also tells Mirabel to find out about her uncle Bruno's last vision. Bruno's gift is to see the future. However, his prophecies often featured bad news and his gift was misinterpreted as causing bad things to happen. Thus, he was outcast from the family. His room is still accessible, however, and Mirabel climbs the many stairs to his secret vault of the future. Inside, she discovers a prophecy about herself. 
The prophecy seems to indicate the house will crumble because of Mirabelle. Mirabelle confides in her father, but her cousin Dolores, who has extremely excellent hearing, overhears and tells the rest of the family. This causes everyone to freak out and their powers start to go haywire. It seems the magic is fading after all. In the confusion, Mirabelle follows some rats into a space between the walls. Inside, she finds Bruno, still living in the house, but alone. Mirabelle convinces him to look into the future again, and they see a path that will lead to Mirabelle saving the house and her family's gifts. All it requires is a hug from her sister, Isabella. Isabella can conjure plants at will. She is graceful and beautiful and vain, and she blames Mirabelle for all the confusion and worry going around. Mirabelle and Isabella fight, but in the process, Isabella reveals that she feels trapped by the expectations of her beauty and her gift. She and Mirabelle sing a song together, and they hug. Mirabelle sees that it is her abuela's high standards that is causing rifts in the family and stress in its members. She attempts to confront her grandmother, but this only causes things to get worse. The house crumbles to rubble, and the magic candle goes out. Mirabelle runs away to be alone. On the banks of a river, Abuela appears and tells Mirabelle about how the magic began. She and her husband were living a happy life, and she had just given birth to triplets when men with weapons forced them from their homes and hunted them into the woods. Mirabelle's grandfather died defending his family, and Abuela's grief inspired magic to spring from the earth. From that, she built the family and used the magic to give back to their community. But now, rifts and secrets had caused the foundation to become unstable. Abuela admits that she lost sight of what the magic was for, and that is why they had lost everything. Mirabel forgives her grandmother and leads the family to rebuild the casita. The rest of the town join in, and together they slowly rebuild it brick by brick. Finally, only one piece remains. The family gives Mirabelle the doorknob to the front door, and she opens that. With that, magic returns to the Madrigals and to their house, and they lived happily ever after. The end. There we have it. The events of Encanto will begin our conversation with our... I didn't even cry during the synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) We'll begin our conversation with our pros and our cons. Joey, what did you like about Encanto? I am in love with this story. I think it's amazing. Um, I think Mirabelle is an amazing protagonist. I think she's really compelling in so many ways. The animation is incredibly smooth and just a joy to watch. The songs rock. It's funny. And I've been crying for days just thinking about this movie. (laughs) What about you? What did you like about this movie? Well, I... I like this movie a lot as well. I thought it had a very unique and creative premise. Just, I mean, looking at the promotional material for this movie, I was like, what is this movie even about? Like, it just looks like it's a family. And having, like, the house be alive and all the different powers. And it just, it's so creative. Just came out of nowhere. And I I loved it. Uh, I also thought that it had very strong themes. Like, it kind of sticks to this central message that I think is really powerful. It had good music. Lin-Manuel Miranda is very evident in this movie. And we, <laughs> That's can talk, right. we can talk a little bit more about that later. It has colorful and beautiful animation. I was especially impressed with the water details, which sounds like I'm looking at like a new video game or something. But 
it really is <laughs> <laughs> really um wow the ray tracing of this is incredible it really did and and um a lot of the music uh portions of the movie felt very dynamic and uh like like I was watching a music video and I just I it was just very compelling to look at. There's so much detail in this movie, not just in the animation, but also just in the story itself. Uh looking back at this film, I was like, oh my gosh, they were they're dangling it right in front of me. Everything is so yeah. obvious. And um it's just it's just a magic movie. It's Disney magic. Definitely. All right. So those are the things we liked. What did you not like about Encanto? It's really, really hard to come up with anything, honestly, because I don't even want to think of anything bad. I don't like about this movie. That's how much I like it. Um, I think that the because magic is a major plot point, it's something that really is like the center of the movie. It's like what's happening to the magic? Why is the magic not like fading or whatever? I think it, because of that, it deserves extra scrutiny. And so I'll talk more about whether or not that actually holds up. And then, of course, there's this metaphor between the house and the magic and the family. And I, and I also, it's all tied together. I'm not sure if it really holds together perfectly, um, but it does do the job really, really well. So it's really hard for me to even say that doesn't, that isn't good. So yeah, I feel, what about you? I feel the same way. I, I don't know if, if I really have any concrete criticisms. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, I was like, dang, this is a lot of names I have to remember, but that's kind of on me to be able to remember <laughs> names. And I mean, they literally go over everybody's name individually in a song. Yeah, but it's also not important that you remember all their names. True. The, the most important ones they highlight again and again, right? And they're just like, okay, here's the introduction. They have all, they're all different. And they're all so distinct that even if you don't remember what their names are, you remember what their powers are, just what they look like. Absolutely. So. And, uh, and then also there were times where I felt that the lyrics were going pretty quick and it comprehension was kind of left or, or maybe less valued as opposed to just being stylistic and sounding cool because obviously this soundtrack is amazing and not every song you listen to is the easiest to comprehend the lyrics on the first try but even that i, I feel like these are nitpicks like I, I it was really tough to uh you know come up with anything concrete because this movie just feels like it accomplishes its goals and um and upon multiple listenings which of course have happened i've been listening to this soundtrack <laughs> on uh spotify it's uh I I feel like I understand all the lyrics now, so I don't even feel the same way. I felt that way after the first viewing, but now I don't anymore at all. So, um, yeah. So there there's our, our our pros and our cons. Let's move into our overall section, Joey. What do you got? I love this movie. It's just the sweetest, most heartfelt, and beautiful little story I can think of. Uh, and so I'm gonna gush about it for a while. Um, first of all, there's no villain. Abuela is sort of an antagonist, but it's really the family versus the situation which means that the ending is far more vague and emotionally centered than simply we've killed the bad guy we've, or we've remo removed the threat. The characters have to grow and change for the story to be resolved. That means it doesn't work unless you have really solid and interesting characters, which, of course, it does. This movie does remind me a little bit of Soul in that like, its resolution is very um, like, kind of nebulous in a way. It, it requires you to be paying attention and invested in the story and the characters in order for you to realize what they realize, right? And although there is like a moment of like, oh, we're kind of fighting against something, it's still very much like we are just like all kind of coming to the same realization. There's not really a bad guy in that movie either. And this movie, the same way, it's all about the characters kind of coming to realize something and accept something. 
Um, and that makes it really hard to write a synopsis about, but it makes it for a really <laughs> satisfying movie experience. I totally agree. It's, there's a moment late in this movie. I mean, it's the abuela by the river that you kind of are like, oh, and then you have that same kind of catharsis that soul has in the like playing piano by himself, thinking about his life scene. So now I, so- I felt the same way. It's so interesting like the, the, that, that gives you that feeling because you already know the story. You've heard the story at the very beginning, right? And I think it may even be repeated once more like through dialogue about like what's going on or like the river and the magic and stuff. But to see it again, but with more detail and talking about like giving more weight to the loss that occurred, um, like changes your perspective on it and it humanizes abuela even more absolutely Uh, yeah i I actually have a little bit more on that we'll get to in a little bit um maribel is an incredible protagonist immediately for me she's interesting because she's the only one without powers but she isn't upset or depressed by it she she still feels like an integral part of the family despite other members not seeing it that way She's proud just to be included, even though she hasn't really been included. She has missed out on the coolest part of being a magical. But she correctly recognizes that she is still special and that her specialness comes from within. It has nothing to do with her supposed gifts. It has everything to do with the things she does have control over, her tenacity, her love of community, and the willingness to serve and protect her family. And here is the part that gets me every single time. She's taught this lesson that being special is about who you are, not what your talents are, by her family. But when she goes on this journey to find out why the magic is failing, nobody takes her seriously. They believe she is just reaching for something that isn't there, that she's desperately trying to find a way to belong, despite her clear otherness. But of course, she turns out to be right, and by uncovering the family secrets, she reveals the cracks that were there all along. And then it's up to Maribel to teach her family that it isn't about what gifts you are, it's about who you are underneath. I think this is amazing. Maribel's family empowers her to become the catalyst for change in the family. And they end up having to learn the same lesson that they have been teaching her. But this time, the piece of person teaching it is Maribel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to cry. <laughs> I love the aspect of how the family needs to grow and change as time goes on. This isn't about changing with cultural norms or adopting new technology. It's way more serious than that. A family needs to grow and change to survive. That's obvious. But there is also an opportunity for the foundation to become stronger. This is literally what happens in Encanto. The house is destroyed as the family reaches a critical reckoning. But Maribel is right there, ready to pick up the pieces and begin again. She helps them restructure. But again, she is simply reiterating the lessons her family taught her. In this way, the madrigals can propel themselves toward higher and higher heights, spurred by the fact they are willing to embrace change when necessary, and the idea that younger generations will take the best part of the family and carry that into the future. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's really powerful. It's, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's interesting because this whole story takes place in one basically one central location and you can say it's like oh but the rooms like are almost like a transferring you to another world or whatever sure but the the real uh plot takes place just within the relationships in this uh family and um i don't know it's really like i don't know i think that's really cool (laughs) like they're able to take you places uh just through the uh relationships and the emotions of these of this one family and um and i think 
one of the things this movie has to uh, has a challenge of doing. We kind of discussed this in the in the pros and cons. Is like it has to introduce us to a bunch of different characters in a short amount of time. This movie is not very long, and this family is large, so they have to <laughs> give everybody an opportunity to be a character and distinguish themselves. And I actually think they do a. a pretty good job i think they succeed not every character is as developed as every other character but right. i do think like you said before that everybody stands out and even if you don't remember everybody's name you'll still remember all the different characters and uh, they're like powers and stuff i mean we see yeah. this a lot for our, whenever we watch a um, ensemble film right like some characters get a lot more emphasis than others but the other ones still feel like characters and are still there and have their own distinct reasons for being there and you know uh, whatever. And it's so easy to do this when they all have like superpowers, right? Because you can just give them vastly different ones. And then they kind of, you know, using that power sort of accentuates their character without having to explain, this is why I'm like this, you know? Definitely. Like, even if you're mainly your character is just, I can hear things. <laughs> uh, right. But it's like the way she's, the way she looks, you know, where she's like really wide eyed mm-hmm. and, and like kind of timid and like talks really quietly. Like that, like aids you in remembering what her power is like it's all tied together totally and um i think one of the characters that i was really interested in is the abuela and i really enjoyed her arc in this film like she's the matriarch of the family and she's also in large part responsible for putting in motion the events that lead to the creation of the infamous madrigal family and and that's how we know them at the beginning of the film they're this great family their greatness is evidence of her leadership and her wisdom. But as we progress through the film, we see that this is actually a facade. She values the gift so much that she doesn't recognize the suffering she's causing for the people she loves, specifically Luisa, Isabella, and Mirabel. She puts a lot of pressure on Luisa to be strong and to take care of so many things for the town, but doesn't recognize what that pressure is doing to Luisa. She forces Isabella to be Little Miss Perfect all the time and wants her to marry Mariano so that she can continue to build the family. But she fails to recognize that Isabella doesn't even want to marry him. And she's really <laughs> awful to Mirabel. She's like she sees Mirabel's gift ceremony as a sign that Mirabel is a cancer. To the gift she wants right. mirabelle to get out of the way so she can't do any more damage and she doesn't seem to ma- mind making rude comments to make sure that happens and like i know we st- I-, I agree with you there isn't really a villain in this film but the uh, well as as close as we get to a villain yes. uh, you definitely i definitely was not a big fan of hers for the majority of this film and um and i think that's good because it makes her turn so much more satisfying um but yeah so she wasn't very nice to mirabelle and then there's bruno which obviously like we don't talk about bruno right but (laughs) we're gonna talk about him on this podcast (laughs) it uh it sounds like nobody really liked hearing his prophecies so it wasn't just the abuela but in the way he talks about why he left it seems clear that there may have been a big reason that pushed him over the edge the the straw that broke the camel's back maybe was like more of a log and uh mm. we'll play this this quote yeah my, my gift wasn't helping the family but uh but i love my family you know i just don't know how to i just don't know how to it, it seems like i mean there's plenty of uh reasons i'm sure for him to leave the family but 
I think that Abuela's expectations and protection over the family that could have pushed him over the edge. After he does his like additional vision with Mirabel, he goes back to hiding because he's afraid that Abuela will see him. But I really liked the way that the Abuela was redeemed. After everything falls apart, she finds Mirabel crying by the river, the same river where she received the miracle in the first place. And, and in this moment, now that she finally has lost the thing she regarded as so precious, she is able to see past it and realize the pain she caused Mirabel. And this causes her to open up. And she tells the story of how she received the gift. And just like you were saying uh, earlier, like it's, we've already heard this story, right? But this time as she's telling the story, it's a slightly different version. And when you compare this version to the one that was that we hear at the beginning of this uh, movie, it's, it's actually pretty different. Um, the way the story is told at the beginning is not nearly as vivid as the way that it's told here at the end. And when you're not telling it in such vivid detail, it masks some of the harsher details, sure. Like the fact that their original home was burning down. If you look at the... Um, like if you rewatch it when they're leaving their town, the town in the yeah. background is not, it's not openly in flames. Like there's like little smokestacks that could be coming from chimneys or maybe a fire, but it's not, it's, it's clearly not evident that the town is being actively destroyed as they're fleeing. It, um, it, so she's kind of masking that, um, part of it. And then also she masks the fact that their grandfather was, killed murdered and not lost right right he like fades in the original thing and the second one i mean you still don't see a lot because it's you know still disney film but yeah it's way more evident that he was like struck down in the river um while like that while everyone was watching basically absolutely and while these details might be um harsh or you know you might not want to hear them it's uh they're not the only thing she includes in the story she also includes other details, including her meet cute with their abuela, <laughs> our abuelo, right? And the story of the love they shared, right? They didn't just start with three with three children. They didn't just start with triplets, right? Like the like in the original story. They had this love story and they had hopes and aspirations for starting a family together. And it's tragic that all of that was lost, but sharing all of this helps Mirabel to understand why her abuela is the way she is. Mirabel can fully appreciate what her abuela has lost and why she's so afraid to lose again. And also she gets a chance to appreciate what her grandparents had before the night of the gift. All of this really drives home the ideas of this movie, to appreciate each other for who we really are, not some idealized, forced version. Love each other, warts and all, and, you're, and you'll form a stronger union because of it. And I just think that really, yes. that was really powerful for me. Seeing, like once I went back and rewatched the first vi- like, version of that story and then comparing it to that ending one, um, it all came home for me. Oh yeah, it's very cool. I, I really like that comparison and just... I really like it when movies do this, where they kind of reframe something that you're already familiar with with more context. It, it, I think that in this case, it's done really, really well. And I don't know, it's, it's funny because like, this is not like a really original message that's like, oh, believe in yourself, or like you have worth even in other situations. But it's very, um, I, I don't know, the, 
the, the whole atmosphere and tone of this movie and centering it around the family so that it works on like a micro level for each individual member, but then a macro level for the family as well. And then even larger for the larger community. Um, I, I don't know. It's a really powerful message. It's something that I think I really wanted to hear in a time when, you know, it's hard to get along with our people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. And, I, and yeah, what reinforces this message is how you, like that message resonates with Mirabelle obviously but right. then it also resonates with the individual characters that we've gotten more familiar with throughout this movie because you know louisa she's she's got too much uh like pressure on her tell your family and they can help you carry the load be honest with them tell them like don't let this like this pressure out um, let them know that you're you're suffering and then same thing with isabella you don't want to marry this guy and you also don't want to only make flowers and only do pretty stuff like tell people you, they will still accept you for that and also maybe your cousin wants to marry that guy instead you know that yeah. my, how convenient would that be you won't know unless you bring it up and then you don't talk about bruno well maybe if you did your cousin would tell you that he still lives in the same house as you and you could bring him back in you know it's just it's it's great because i i kind of at that point i still hadn't figured out exactly what this movie is trying to tell me and then when she talks about that vision it just kind of like sent off these shock waves yeah Yeah. that it like touched everything we had set up so far and i was like whoa it's all comes together (laughs) to form this beautiful uh message and that's that really did it for me and then seeing them build the house together at the end, which also ends up being because, okay, so here's another thing I want to talk about is should, does it undercut the movie's message to give everybody their powers back at mm. the end? Because I think you could write an ending to this movie where they realize that the real magic of the Madrigal family is family. And they don't actually need to be super strong or be able to hear super well or tell the future to be amazing. And, you know, this great and great, I guess. But I do think there's a lot of catharsis, I'll use that word again, in seeing Mirabelle walk up to the door after that tragic moment we saw of her door fading away after she tries to open it and she's so sad and seeing how much pain that's caused her to see her be able to touch the door and the the casita comes back to life and the door itself because everybody else we've seen their doors those doors are iconic honestly like kind of almost monsters inc level like iconicness with doors and they're cool symbols and they're used like like frequently throughout even in the um like yeah songs and stuff yeah um so you know as representations it's pretty cool yeah and everybody's got their own door that obviously shows off their powers and her the door of the casita has her standing in front of her family which obviously says to me her power she did actually have a power which was to bring her family together which i think that's awesome. Ah. And, and it also, I didn't want the house to stay dead. So I wanted the magic <laughs> to come back for that. <laughs> yes. The house is so cool. So, so cool. I love the house is alive. Um, yes. No, I really liked that. I thought that was amazing. I, I am having trouble keeping my eyes dry right now, just thinking about <laughs> it. Just like, because she finally does get her own door and the door is like to the house itself. Uh, it's so cool. Because like, that's, it's, yes, it's exactly, it makes perfect sense, right? And her and, abuela right they, they share like very similar roles now right because she, abuela was the matriarch of the family and now maribel sort of inheriting that role and 
when the you know she was the catalyst and then when the crisis came through she was the one that brought everything back together and and made it brought the magic back um you know so like she's just as responsible for the foundation and for the magic and the family as abuela is and um so to, to have her be like the have the skeleton key you know like have her open the door that opens the door for everyone else is uh amazing i think it's uh, it just me chills. <laughs> it's so perfect. <laughs> so I guess just to go more directly at it, do you feel like it undercuts the message at all to have them get their powers back? Um, or just I don't to, or, think so. Yeah, because I think that I think that for the metaphor to work, right? It's it's like when the when the family is cohesive, when the family is working as a family, that's when the magic comes out. Right? They're greater than the sum of their parts in a way, and it's not like one person can lose their powers and other people can keep them. Right? Either they all have it or they don't have it. And it's like that connection. It's really like, you know, yeah, the connection that really is what the magic comes from. Yeah. So when she finally heals that, you know, for real, and it, like it all comes back to basically the way it was, it makes sense for me for it to all kind of come rushing back. Um, and I think that's a more uh, happy ending too. Totally. You know, I I would rather that. I don't want to have this bittersweet <laughs> like, oh, but they didn't get their powers back, and now they have to be normals. You know, I don't know. That's not as fun. No, yeah, and I think you're right. Like what you said earlier, it's kind of she has the skeleton key. She's the key to their powers, right? And like, yes. to for them to reach their highest potential, it takes somebody like Mirabel. So I I agree with that. I think um, I I um land on the same place with that. It's I think it would really undercut the message of this movie if she got a tangible power yes. power <laughs> and when she touched the door she's like i can fly now <laughs> right <laughs> i can uh, i can transform into a house <laughs> uh, so i th- i think they landed exactly where they needed to land on that one so that's great uh okay uh, let's talk a little bit about the music here and going into this movie i don't know how i didn't know this but i didn't know that lin manuel miranda did the music for this but i knew it as soon as i heard the first song (laughs) i was like i i was watching it and as soon as they started singing i was like wait a second is this i know this is this i know that voice is he in this i mean obviously he doesn't actually sing in it but his stylings i've listened to enough hamilton to recognize a lin-manuel miranda musical when i hear one and obviously he did uh write all of the songs in this movie and it's just so lin-manuel miranda he's a songwriting powerhouse and he brings the thunder in this film i especially enjoyed luisa's song about pressure and oh, i love that song oh, so uh, my favorite part about that okay i love that song so many reasons my favorite part is definitely the donkeys though the because like <laughs> she's on the titanic and the do- and the donkeys are playing the violins yeah. and then there's like one part where there's just donkeys like falling from the sky like raining down <laughs> then they're all dancing in formation jenny and i have been dancing around the apartment like donkeys ever since we watched that movie doing the donkey moves love it oh my god it's so funny it's just a good song like it's it's like a pop song you know it's something that you can just put on and actually listen to and um it but also i do feel like it gets her point across i felt her really really well yeah and like oh it's like it's like action-packed she's fighting the three-headed dog and everything and like it's so cool because she's like 
oh, I'm like feeling all of this pressure. Like I can't, like, I don't know if I can handle it. And then she's like, you know, doing superhero stuff, you know, moving, flying through the air and jumping off of geysers and like, you know, just being a badass the whole time. Like clearly she like can't handle it, but she still feels like she can't. Um, and then there's that point, like, it's like a, when, the, when the music drops and the house falls on her um, and like actually crushes her before she can lift it again. Oh, it's so cool it's like oh, I, I like it's like a it's like a, just a whoa moment like mm-hmm. oh i like that's what we're getting to that's where we're going with this um that's amazing yeah i love that song it's my favorite one for sure so this is another opportunity for us to bring up the word diegesis and yes. uh i loved that for the most part the music portions of this movie were non-diegetic and they take full advantage of that to push the limits on like the visual part of it like you get to see i don't know how they're feeling through these amazing transportations into impossible worlds and i think that that works really well like the the rest of the movie is relatively grounded you know the non-musical parts are just it's a straight-up movie but the music video portions of it um are really creative and do a bunch of yeah like donkeys falling from the sky and shooting out of a geyser all these things yeah it's visually stunning honestly um and there's it's more than just like oh it's just cool to look at Uh, so much of it especially louisa's song so much of it is metaphorical right and it's not just accentuating the lyrics but really giving you an insight into what the character is going through, through a visual metaphor, in addition to the lyrical metaphor. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's really, really cool. And I think that's why this movie like, really stands out to me, because I feel like there's so much to appreciate at every level, right? It's not just the lyrics of the songs. It's not just the songs are good. It's not just the visuals. It's also the story behind it. You get so caught up in it, you forget that this is like a computer animated movie and the animation looks so good i can just see this becoming one of those you know classic disney movies that you can watch 10 or 15 years later and it's still going to look amazing um because they're not trying to make live action animals or you know like whatever <laughs> you know like there, there's not a bunch of cgi uh aladdin running through the um marketplace it's you know it's being its own style jeff goldblum uh, is antonio's like tiger or whatever <laughs> <laughs> Meow. <laughs> so uh you got a gift, uh life uh finds a way. Um and so another like portion another song that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed all the songs, but I especially also enjoyed We Don't Talk About Bruno. And this one for me really like pulls me back to uh, Hamilton, and again, I'm yes. such a like one Lin Manuel Miranda musical <laughs> Andy over here because I know he's made <laughs> other ones, but the way that this song has like its different portions that are all kind of unique, and then at the end they all come together, and they're yes. they're also it just feels like a musical because they're saying like, oh look, Mariano's on his way here for dinner. The way that they're setting the table, you can almost imagine this song taking place on a stage and being a lot like an actual musical oh yeah definitely i mean yeah definitely in the way that they all harmonize at the end right they're all like overlaying the the lyrics um it definitely feels very musical and that's another thing i always appreciate about songs in movies is if they are specifically very specifically about the movie right it's not some generic like i'm feeling the pressure of great expectations you know it's like i'm feeling the pressure of this specific situation you know i think that 
does a lot more to tie you into the movie. Um, and it makes the song does not feel generic. It makes it feel like it was made for this, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I always appreciate that. And this, don't, we don't talk about Bruno is like going to become the most overplayed song since Let It Go. Uh, it's already like sweeping the nation. Everyone who has young kids has heard the song a thousand times already. That's um, hilarious. Yeah, that's how I, obviously I heard about Encanto coming out, but the main place I heard people talking about it was my coworkers with children who yes. were saying how tired of these songs they are. <laughs> uh, yes. But but just like just to, again to kind of highlight what you're saying, there's that part where Dolores talks about, like actually says what Bruno's issue is is that the family doesn't understand his prophecy, and it's sort of hidden inside of the song because she's so soft spoken and it's like really quick, and um, uh, it's surrounded by these really bombastic like uh explanations where they have uh i can't remember his name but the the, the cousin that can shapeshift he's like pr- like becoming bruno and like being all greasy and scary and like tossing maribel like around the house between the walls and then like before that they have the hurricane at the wedding you know and then but right in the middle there there's dolores just like kind of whispering saying like i always associated him with the sound of rushing sand mm-hmm. um and that's like that actually talks about the thing that's happening and then she says at the end of the in the song i can hear him now she's she knows he's in the wall she's always known and she just doesn't want to say it because she knows it's gonna cause a problem wow it's it's great <laughs> yeah no i totally agree it's um and, and that's just one of the things i love too is just how dynamic i mean we kind of covered it but th- this I feel like the music video portions of this movie really take advantage of the medium and yes. show us things that you could probably uh, like achieve. I'm not going to say it's impossible to achieve with live action, but it's just really, really something that goes over well in animation like this. And um, they're just, yeah, they're really great to look at. So, all right, one more, th- one more thing I wanted to go over is the husband's. And um, I love that the husbands were just normal guys. Part of this movie's message is to appreciate people for just being themselves, that the miracle is the person, not their gift. But also kind of contrary to this idea, we see these men play roles that are traditionally reserved for female characters. And their relationship to the superpowered family is just that they're the love interests. And... They're not emasculated by this. They doesn't minimize them as people. They're oh, they're, they don't mind not being the powerful ones or anything like that. And I just think that's refreshing to see. There's been plenty of movies where the wife is literally just the wife, you know. Which again, I'm not saying there's a net necessarily a problem with that, but it's refreshing to see these guys so clearly just be <laughs> husband guys. They're just yeah. they're just husbands. No, I think they were. I thought they were good too. They had a lot of personality, you know. That kind of that stood out, and they clearly benefit a lot from being so close to the family, right? Um, that I think comes across as grateful in a way, right? It's like, oh, like I, I'm just lucky to be here, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it's um, and but they still contribute a lot, right? They they know the family history, they they know all the stories and everything, and they and they want to help Mirabelle. They feel very much integrated to the family, even though they are kind of other, which I think aids Maribel in her own understanding of her place in the family too, where she recognizes that other people can belong and they'll be accepted even when they don't have powers. Uh, even though she's in this kind of really unique situation, um, I think seeing how how much love the husbands get shows her how that's possible for that to happen in the other direction. 
All right, so talking about let's talk. We've been talking about magic. Let's talk about magic a little bit more. Um, so I've been struggling to figure out how I feel about the magic and the metaphor that is the center of this movie. At first, it feels kind of haphazard and inconsistent, but the more I thought about it, the more answers I find within the movie itself. I don't, I don't want this movie to have complicated magic that feels like it needs to be elaborately explained. I don't need one of the, um, one of the family members to be a scientist who studies the magic and it, like explains how the magic works. Eureka! <laughs> <laughs> It's just magic. That's fine. It's, it's honestly more than good enough for me. But whenever you take, ma- make magic a central part of the plot and not just flavoring for a story about family, for example, it deserves a closer look. So let's talk about some of the specific examples and try to work this out. So why doesn't Maribel get a gift? I don't really think this is ever really explained that well. You see a flashback, right, where she doesn't get the door of the door fades away. You see Abuela's reaction, but it's not really clear why this happens. I mean, am I right about that? I, to tell you the truth, the only thing that I could think of was something to do with Bruno, where it seems like Bruno's prophecies are certain, but potentially have like a bad effect before a potential good effect. But it doesn't mention anything about the good. It's just like, here's the short-term bad, and that's it. Right. So it's like, I think, um, so I think in a similar way, the house could be like, no powers for now, you know, because right. there's a greater power waiting later. But I'm just not going to say sure. anything. <laughs> I think, um, I think the Bruno's relationship with prophecy and the, and the whole like story's relationship with prophecy is very, very good. Um, but uh, that's kind of a whole different thing. You can get on that tangent later when we, if we could talk about time travel. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So I agree. I think this is about Bruno's prophecy. Uh, he sees Mirabel will cause the house to collapse, and this causes enough doubt in the family's mind to make the magic fade at this crucial moment. I think there's like a seed planted by Bruno in the, when he, he looks into the future uh, for Mirabel, and that causes like this rift within the family that causes this moment to where Abuela is so worried, and the rest of the family is so worried about what Maribel's gift will be, you know, whether it will, like, when she receives it, it will destroy everything, that I feel like it, it just kind of fades away in that moment. Um, and I think, like, that's enough for me, I feel like. Like, it's like he's, he's planted the seed, and it's caused this doubt in there. Um, although I feel like there's a little bit of an inconsistency here, which we'll get to in a second. Okay. When, so when the magic is waning, why do some people seem to be losing their gifts and others are just out of control? So for me, I feel like this isn't really a valid criticism. Everyone's magic is different and reacts very differently. And magic, the magic seems to ebb and flow. There are bad days and good days. And it's not always consistent, which I think mirrors a family din- dynamic really, really well to the point where I actually prefer this to like, the magic behaving in any other way. Yeah, I think I agree. I don't think... Uh it all has to be just downhill because it's like what is the opposite of being good at shape-shifting is it turning into a baby i guess i don't and it, i don't think we right. have to again bring out the abacus and the chalkboard and do the math to discuss like it is actually the mathematical answer to like losing I think you your can, powers i think you can make like a vague statement saying like everyone's powers is, are going out of control right some people's they are losing the ability to like lift things or something 
which is like the most simple kind of version of that. And then there's like other things, you know, she's losing control of the weather. She's becoming more erratic. Um, and then, you know, uh, even um, Isabella sort of loses, loses control of the, like the flowers at some point and kind of reacts emotionally in that, in a moment. Like that's all, um, uh, I think these are all tied together. I feel like that, that works. Right. So, I mean, but what, did Dolores ever show us that she was losing her uh, powers? Was she no, ever I don't like, think they ever highlighted that. But it's not like, wow, peace at last. I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that power would be hell for me. Um, <laughs> I think um, I, don't, I don't know if they need to do that. Right. It's possible she was, but she didn't voice it or anything. I mean, it's not exciting to show someone not being able to hear well. Right. Well, so, yeah, it would be weird if she just became deaf. Right. But that's, that would be yeah that would be interesting that'd be kind of scary well you could okay. definitely take a more gritty realistic <laughs> sure. look at this like antonio gets mauled by the tiger and like <laughs> i you know what, um, what's his name yeah. shapeshifts and can't shapeshift back like right he turns into some sort of bird. like goo or something <laughs> <laughs> what's his name i got i gotta i gotta look at his name yes uh oh camillo camillo there we go all right, and my last question, which I want to expand on a little more, is why does Antonio get a gift, and why isn't everyone so freaked out by Mirabel's failed ceremony that the magic doesn't simply evaporate at that moment? It seems like cracks have been forming for a long time. Why isn't that manifesting itself more obviously in the family's powers? This is the thing that really nagged me. Once Mirabel didn't get her gift, why did the magic return? And if it's based in the family's mood or connection, why didn't that event cause an uncrossable rift? I think the answer is because appearance is more important than reality. The Madrigals aren't just superpowered. They are important staples of their community. They have a certain facade that they are invested in keeping intact. They want to appear strong, unified, and generous, despite any issues they may secretly be dealing with. And by keeping up that appearance, it reinforces their belief that it is true. It becomes easier and easier to ignore their problems and pretend they don't exist. And if you pretend well enough, those problems actually disappear. And I don't think this appearance versus reality dynamic is unique to the Madrigals. I think all families have this aspect. There's how things appear on the surface, and then there's the truth underneath. And again, I think the magic reflects this really, really well. While they're keeping up their appearances, the magic is still good, and they, the, everything is working fine because they're all pretending everything is fine. As soon as they acknowledge these problems, that's when the magic starts to fade, right? And it's not the acknowledgement of the problems that like that causes it necessarily right it's that the problems were there they have to then resolve that in order for things to get built back up right i think they have to again, reckon think, with it i think all families have this aspect where there is this outside you know like appearance that you put on while you're at church or you know while you're on some sort of you know group event or something you know where you're like oh, we need to look a certain way we need to act a certain way right and then but secretly when you go home you're all you know arguing or bickering about something that may or may not matter right um and you know that that's just how people are it's not just how like a family dynamic is but everyone has that you know that kind of secret like inner mind where they're not necessarily sharing with everyone right and it, what's important uh, for the magic and important for you know everything is that it appears as if everything is going fine more so than like you how you're actually dealing with it. Um, and I I think that's like a really interesting thing. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but it's the it's the only kind of way I was able to recognize or or like uh, 
resolve this issue where there were clearly problems for a long time, but the magic was functioning just fine. It's only after they addressed them that they that it became like an actual crisis. Yeah, I think that's. I, I think I agree with that interpretation of it. Um, like it was almost like it could have kept going, um, like festering underneath. I just, I almost feel like there's the alternative where they could have just totally ignored Mirabelle completely and everything would have continued to be fine. But even then, having your powers work isn't the same thing as like having a good life. So it would have, like, Luisa still would have been cracking under pressure. And maybe when she has a breakdown, that's when the cracks would show themselves, right? So this was just like an inevitability that ended up happening because of Mirabelle, but really would have happened anyway. Like the divorce that Isabella goes through down the road and all the other chaos that could have happened. They would have had to reckon with this one way or another. Right. And the consequences would have been far worse when they didn't have Mirabelle actually probing to find out what was going on Um, and, you know, recognizing it and and trying to resolve it before it became like an even bigger issue. Um, Right. And I think that like, but again, like you, when you're in this sort of dynamic, right, it's easy to pretend that everything is fine when you have, when the problems you can ignore, right? And you're like, okay, well, it's not really an issue. Everything is going fine. And then in, even though like you have these nagging doubts or whatever, you can push that aside and then everything appears to be fine. And it's not like you're constantly thinking about that, right? As long as you can ignore that problem, it's as if the problem doesn't exist. So, you know, it's, it's really like that appearance reinforcing the reality and then the reality at odds with the appearance, but you can just keep altering your reality so that it matches the appearance, right? I, I think that's like, I think that works really, really well for like a magic idea because again, it's like, you know, on the surface, it looks like everything is working fine. And if it looks like everything's working fine, it must be working fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) One, one last thing before we move on, I just wanted to give the coffee kid a mention. Yes. Colombian coffee kid. Yes. (laughs) I thought he was hilarious. I liked how the three children were almost a stand-in for the townspeople at large they were open and honest about their opinions about everything uh which uh seemed hurtful when it came to mirabelle but in general just and i guess they were almost a stand-in for us uh especially at the beginning being introduced to the family but uh it's. I think this movie is full of little characters who get their chance to shine and just add to why we love this movie. Um, I also love some of the other stand like standalone townspeople, like that guy who arrived with like the package from Mirabelle and yes. really was kind of brain dead with the way he went about saying like you don't have a power. It's like wow, dude. Uh, <laughs> and then later on, he blames. Uh, Bruno for him having a gut. I thought yes, so funny. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that scene where they're all all the times people are complaining about the prophecies that Bruno gave, but they're all like really minor things, you know, yeah. uh, like getting a gut. Like, the goldfish lady is so funny because Bruno <laughs> complains about her later. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> and then, then I'll tell you your goldfish died, and then you'll take me forever. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our cool Easter eggs. Oh, this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple of things. First of all, so it's unclear exactly what conflict is uh, the 
the uh, Madrigals are fleeing from at the beginning of the movie that Abuela is fleeing from. But it's likely that this took place, uh, they said that this is kind of a vague, you know, undescript uh, time period, but a vaguely the early 20th century. Um, so there was an event in Colombia called the Thousand Days War, which was a civil war in Colombia um, that uh, basically was like a political war between two factions of the government uh, that came to a head and, and you know caused a lot of people to get displaced from their houses. So um, it's like it, this is perhaps the catalyst uh, for this movie um, is this real event that happened in Colombia's history. Oh, interesting. Um, also, the I found this on Wikipedia. I thought this was interesting. The Casita was inspired not only by traditional Colombian houses, but films in which houses come alive, especially Beetlejuice. Ah, we love Beetlejuice. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So, yeah, just a little, uh, another little uh, homage. And yeah, I do think the house is iconic in this movie. It's oh, yeah. Awesome. So cool. I, I would love to be able to just set my things on the counter and have the house take them and put them away <laughs> yeah everything's moving around and i love how he like the, the, like the floorboards move the clock around to like show you what time it is like hey we need to go we need to go yes and it's so much better that it doesn't speak it would be yes. really messed up if the house talked to us hey mirabelle don't be sad <laughs> mirabelle your power is you bring the family together i love you mirabelle <laughs> thanks for bringing me back from the dead mirabelle i'm a zombie house now <laughs> It was scary in the in-between place. Yes, don't let me go back there, Mirabelle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, Joey, I think you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper. Okay, so I found this article um, uh, about how this movie got made. And it is the sweetest story I've, I can think of besides the story of this movie. Um, <laughs> so there is this woman. Uh, her name is Alejandra uh, Espianzo. She was a tour guide in Colombia, and she moved to this tiny town um, uh, called uh, Bereshara, um, that is basically like basically the model for the town in this story. Um, it's this tiny little uh, town uh, that has cobblestone. Uh, uh, you know, streets, and it's sort of in the middle of nowhere, and uh, it's just basically kind of like this little oasis in the middle of the Colombian like desert. Um, and it, it's been it's been tagged as the most beautiful town in Colombia. So when she moved there, she was originally moving there uh, just to kind of get away from it all, and she wanted to like practice her art. So she actually like made um postcards, but she became really invested in the town's history and she became she basically became uh, one of the most renowned tour guides of this little town. So when Disney said they wanted to make a uh, movie about a like uh, about a Colombian family, uh, they went they did research and went to this Colombia to find somebody to give them like a tour of the of the town and of course they went and found her. So uh, there was a four-day trip that they scheduled with her, and she took them around and basically wowed them with everything that uh, was about this town and everything, all the history and stuff that she knew. And so a month later, she ends up getting a contract from Disney to become Encanto's cultural consultant. Um, so 
uh, basically this meant that she like reviewed the script and was there to point out like this is what you need to change uh, to make it more accurate to Colombian society. And so she worked on a team with 10 other people that were um, basically all of Disney's Latin American employees uh, that all contributed to making this movie. Um, and they said that the directors were extremely receptive um, and the uh, they always kind of had this idea of original of a large family taking center stage. That was part of the original pitch um, of this movie. Um, but she was the one that made the change before from a grandfather to a grandmother being like the ultimate uh, like matriarch or patriarch of the family. Um, and she also added in all these other things. Like she said that uh, she wanted to have a lot this the family to reflect the diversity of Colombia. So that's apparent in Antonio and Dolores and Felix, who are Afro-Colombians, um, and also Bruno, who is meant to represent the indigenous people. The indigenous people are there. They have been made invisible, and nobody talks about them, but they are a sacred part of Colombia. It has been fundamental to understand this, and it's very well represented in Bruno. Is a wow. Wow. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So every member of the family sort of represents a different like culture or ethnicity within Colombia, um, and each of them kind of represents that culture through their actions in the movie. Um, so uh, throughout this time, she um, you know she's working on this for a long time, and she ends up uh, opening her own bookstore um, in the town um, and and all this. And I want you to I have a picture of her down here that I want you to look at. Does she look familiar at all to you? um like one of the characters in the movie yes i mean she has glasses she has glasses and she has curly brown hair curly like brown hair uh her her significant other at the time said you they've made a doll out of you and she said she couldn't see it but the likeness is amazing she says i identify with maribel not because of the hair and glasses but because of her attitude frank honest determined but at the same time excited maribel has a little piece of my spirit and she says that she was asked several times that the authors of this article not say the character is based on her, although the directors of the movie confirmed in a Zoom meeting that she was a part of the inspiration for Mirabelle. Dang. <laughs> yes. It's very, it's very sweet. How do you so, even, where do you even go from there after Disney turns you into the main uh, character okay. of an amazing animated <laughs> film? So she ended up sending them a, um, a skirt like the one that Maribel is wearing uh, made by the uh, women of Velez. Um, and she, she actually went to a premiere of the movie wearing a skirt made by the, the Swain women, just like the one made by Maribel. And she said, I had this dream of going to Hollywood like that to turn a peasant's skirt into a princess dress. Wow. <laughs> and, and I just, I, I know, like, we talked about, like, the colors and everything looking amazing in this movie, but the outfits they wore, especially Mirabelle's kind of, like, butterfly outfit, like, which it's got, like, a butterfly, like, sewn into it. All that stuff looked so great. I mean, oh, it's so amazing. Jenny was like just so impressed with the costumes and everything because that was something that she was really close to when she was working at Disney World. Um, and she, like, she, she's like, they, they, they were so smart with the way they did this. And by making all the characters have these, you know, really colorful and unique outfits that are still really cool, um, makes them like, you know, like gives, like, opens up a whole new possibility for costumes and, um, you know, and for little girls to express themselves, and it's really cool. And they, I've, I've actually also heard. I wasn't able to confirm this, but I've also heard that uh, the most popular uh, figure or doll that has been sold so far is Louisa. Uh, they were the makers of the movie were surprised, but it was actually the the strong sister that's been the most popular uh, like character to collect at this point. So. Yeah, well, she's badass. I so, love her. She's yeah. great. 
Uh, one last thing. So uh, she's been in the she's been she had the bookstore open and she's sort of become a celebrity in her own right because people have recognized her um, and her role in this movie and she said a few days ago a family was visiting the town and they said look at her they pointed uh, a small girl approached espioza and said hello see princesses do exist her mother whispered wow <laughs> isn't that sweet no that's magic <laughs> it sure is so uh anyway it's a really really sweet story um and she said she loves the movie she's cried she cried the whole time while she was watching it and um it's uh you know it's a big part of uh it, it, she played a big part in in making it what it is um and stuff so they, she said that she was walking around town uh with the ca- like a camera really close to her face uh, to capture all of her facial expressions so they could get all that. And like just the way the characters move and act and uh, express themselves are all like um, based off of her like explanations of how Colombian people express themselves. Well, this movie has it all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good movie itself. It has good uh, per, like surrounding details around the creation of the film. My goodness. <laughs> okay anyway yeah that was amazing that is that's fantastic so um that is going to bring us to the end of our discussion on encanto as we do at the end of every episode of apple chat we will now deliver our ratings joey what rating do you want to give to encanto i give this movie a magical room in my house that is encanto themed nice (laughs) you can go in there whenever you want be transported back (laughs) that's right (laughs) just watch it again And I am going to give this movie one house that builds itself. We could all use one of those in this housing market. (laughs) (laughs) Got (laughs) him. All right. So that is it. I really loved it. Like I said, I think this movie has it all. The more more time I spend at this movie, the more I love it. So uh, just Disney. Disney's done it again. Uh, Joey, what is next on Apple Chat? Next, we are going into the past. Far, far into the past to watch Citizen Kane. Yes, way back into the past. I've heard this is like the one of the top tier cinema bro movies where yes. I actually have, I mean, I've heard things about Citizen Kane, but I really don't know why it's like so great or if it even is great, right? So we're going to watch it and see for ourselves and then talk about it right here on Affable Chat. So stay tuned for that. But for now, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Affable Chat, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel. It's called Affable Chat. Affable Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash affablechat. That's going to do it for this episode. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.